Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Every week we hop on a roller coaster, share laughter and tears on topics we might be ashamed to discuss. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hola, and we are back for another episode with Beauteous Me, and today is more than a special episode. I have two fabulous guests, and I hope you can see them. Actually, you know what? Let me press record on this thing so you guys can see them, because I'm going to upload them. They're two beautiful women. Cynthia Diaz and Noemi Cotto are two co-authors for the book, She Heals. It is a book with 12 women who are sharing their stories through trauma and how they overcame it. And so the book is, I'm going to read the introduction. It is a collaboration of 12 brave and courageous women who decided to get naked and bare their truths for the sake of helping others experiencing similar situations. The She Heals Project was birthed from a passion and a mission that will be carried forward with the desire to help and inspire women. The idea behind the She Heals Project is to start conversations and provide a platform for women to share their stories. And today we have two beautiful women here willing to share their stories. So say hi, guys. Hi. Thank you. Welcome for having us. Thank you for coming. So let me press play on this thing. I hope this is pressing. So give me a second, guys. I I hope it's recording. I'm trying to show you guys the video content of it. So... She Heals, why this was important for me to have these two beautiful women. And it's interesting because I know me and Noemi go way back since 05. Um, we bumped into each other in Afroflow Yoga. Yes. <laughs> but before Afroflow Yoga, I saw that Noemi posted that she was writing a book. And I was like, wow, I'm always all about inspiring other women and just, you know, uplifting them. And I was like, listen, she's doing a book. Whatever you're doing. She's like, whoever, you know, I'm writing a book. Um, whoever wants to support, support. If you want your name in the book, I was like, yeah. Like, I didn't think twice about it. I was like, sure, here. How much is the book? Whatever. You know, we support our tribe. And so months pass by, I get the book and she writes before I even read it. Honestly, she writes, um, I hope to, to join you something like I hope to join you on the pod. And then we bump into each other in Afroflow yoga. And I was like, Hey, by the way, I would like you on my podcast. She was like, I wrote that in the book. Like, you want to read that? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so happy that you're here. So I'm going to give you guys a brief bio of who my two beautiful guests are. And then we're going to start talking, right? So no, Emmy is a Bronx born. I got two Bronx born Latinas here. So (laughs) we listen, this is. Be careful. Let me stop. <laughs> I lived in the Bronx for a long time. So I got two Bronx-born Latinas here. Uh, Noemi Cotto is a Latinx. Yes. Yes. She was raised and inspired by her love for hip-hop. She's a licensed master social worker woo-woo, who has acquired a dual bachelor's degree in media communications and American studies, a master's degree in social work from the Silverman School of Social Work in Hunter College. Yes. Yes. So some of your work includes... Presented panels nationwide to discuss reproductive justice rights and child welfare reform. And one of your favorite quotes is, perhaps the butterfly is proof that you can go through a great deal of darkness, yet become something beautiful. That's gorgeous. All right. And then we have Noemi. Noemi, listen, Noemi's fierce. 
with her blonde hair. She's fabulous. Cynthia. Cynthia. No, I'm I'm like looking at (laughs) And I wasn't drinking wine. You see this? All right. Cynthia is a New York Rican born Latina from the Bronx as well. And I love how you said when people ask you, who are you first? You said, let me tell you about my mother. We're going to get to that in the book. Um, from the Bronx, who has faced some adversity, she has her BA from Lehman College and an MBA from St. John's University with high honors and in tandem with her professional career. She has two beautiful teenagers. You guys got to give her props just for that, for having two teenage kids. <laughs> she is currently residing in Westchester County. And right now, besides traveling, enjoying music, dancing, etc., she has changed generational norms and has always been passionate about helping others along the way. So, Cynthia, uh, after living through the vicious cycle of having a child diagnosed with cancer, she is devoted to a lifelong mission of giving back. Her goal is to continue helping others through her writings by sharing her experiences and struggles with readers. As a testament, they are not alone. So exciting. So, I, I want us to have like an open discussion and I'm going to keep going back and forth with the book because um, you guys wrote some amazing um, stories and the other authors as well. They yes. all have a beautiful journey. So whose idea was it to start this project? So it was Isabel Rojas, the okay. girl we grew up with. She's like our sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she's written a few other books mm-hmm. and she contacted each of us and said, you know, I'm thinking of starting um uh writing a book that allows women to talk about the things that we tend to put behind us because you each have something that you can share and i think that it would be powerful and both for the movement because she is starting um the she heals foundation and she does a lot of work with the community but also for us all individually that's amazing Mm -hmm. that is amazing so you guys have history before the book Oh, yes. you guys! Oh, yes. awesome! So, where do you guys know each other from? Same neighborhood. Same neighborhood. Same neighborhood. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, was there anything shocking from hearing things from her story mm-hmm. and her? Yes. I know Noemi, you hearing Cynthia's story and Cynthia hearing um, Noemi's story. So, I want to start with you, Noemi. So, um, in terms of Cynthia's journey and with Mia, you know, I experienced a lot of that with Cynthia. So in terms of like what Mia was going through, I witnessed it. Mm -hmm. In terms of what my friend was feeling internally, while I understood some of it, I don't think that I fully understood the whole picture, right? Because it wasn't my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, she did such a great job in describing and detailing and walking you through that experience of what she really went through that here it's like I was with her but I didn't I didn't know that right Mm -hmm. and at that time I wasn't a mother yet either so it's like I couldn't relate in terms of motherhood and what that is like to basically fighting for life with your child or even experiencing your child in the most vulnerable state possible and feeling powerless and you couldn't do anything and not knowing like what, what even to say or even how to comfort. And that's important to say that you recognize Mm -hmm. that as a friend that you don't know what to say or what, how to even comfort her. And Cynthia, for you and just in, in hearing Noemi's story, 
Um, I had to read it in piecemeal. Mm. I would get emotional. Yeah. Um, we were young. I actually did experience that with her, but um, you know, you you nobody ever really knows you, and you don't ever really know anybody wholly, right? And I think she's um, part of this book process has uh, has forced all of us to go back and relive and learn about ourselves mm -hmm. um, to be able to share in detail things that have affected us um, that we didn't even realize had affected us. Um, so I had to read it in pieces. And um, I, I did meet a part of her through reading what she wrote today because, um, because we don't realize the effect that traumas have um, on us and, mm -hmm. and less what, you're, what other people are going through. So I, I learned to not say to people that I, I know what you're going through because I went through that because my experience and your experience is very different. Right. Um, so um, And I think that's key that you're saying that, not to tell people I know what you're going through. Yeah. I think what I've started saying, as you've heard me say today, your story is my story. Yeah. But there's bits and pieces right. of your story that is my story. Right. Instead of saying I know what you, because I don't know, right. but your story is my story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and just even understanding that... Um, even if you have may have gone through the same things, the way that it affected her is different from the way that it affected me, and I should never minimize when something feels big to her, um, because that was her experience, not mine. So, um, yeah, I learned uh, I learned a lot about what she you know is going through even still today and what she went through back then. So speaking about that, that's a great segue. So let's talk about your stories because I read your story and. Um, it was deep in both levels. And, and like I said, your story is my story in two different levels. Um, from a mom's perspective, you know, you both are moms. So the, even even what you shared about your son, but from a mom's perspective and that suffering of a mom, I was reading and I was like, oh my goodness, with tears. Like I, I, I could understand the worry, the anxiety, the pain, the, the how your head was just going through all sorts of stories and, you know, how you tell yourself these things and how you worry even more because... You don't want something tragic to happen because tragedy was right there for you. And and for you, Noemi, um, your experiences with trauma um, was a lot for me. I'm reading your story. I was like, damn, I thought I knew her, but I, appre I feel like I appreciate you more. And you being vulnerable because we could assume things about people. We could see things about people and see um, the little window pieces about them. And then when you read their story, you're like... That's why this is Noemi and, and appreciating that more about you. And so I'm so grateful that you guys are here. And so um, let's begin. Yeah, thank you, you for, having, for, for yeah. having us, for creating this platform yeah. to even have a conversation, you know, for all the listeners out there, just, you know, you, you aren't alone. And as, as oftentimes we feel alone, right? And we do isolate ourselves and we stay stuck in our heads. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's anything that anyone can get from this episode, you know, or um, for the book, if you, you know, decide to go and purchase it, is that there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. There is hope. There's and that's what you guys, and that's what you guys yeah. have given. Mm -hmm. You guys have given hope. And that, you know, the healing process, it doesn't end mm -hmm. and it's forever evolving and it's it's even the beauty of just being able to see where I once was at and how far I have come 
a long and where I will continue Mm -hmm. to go and just being able to have just more compassion for your fellow sister even Mm -hmm. that girl that at times when she presents herself she Mm -hmm. must be the ugliest most warest like dysfunctional quote-unquote person know that there is pain yes there's pain there is pain Mm -hmm. absolutely so Noemi you shared so much so much um, about your healing process and about your trauma. And you shared some stuff. Um, I would assume some intergenerational stuff because I was reading your mom's reactions to you with a lot of things. And I couldn't help but think, wow, I wonder if Noemi's mom went through some stuff and she just refuses to share it because how often have, especially in the Latino culture, where you know you go through something and you shut down. And you don't say anything, and you, you never talk about it, so you move forward. How much of that was your mom when it had to do with you not shaming the family? Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say, um, it, it, gen- just in general with the Latino culture, you never want to shame the family with um, sharing stories of teen pregnancy or whatever. Um, but some of that, perhaps, your mom's reaction to certain things or her abrasiveness or whatever it is with you, um, her own stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and it, was that something that you've, as a, as a clinician in the field, ever stopped to think, you know, I know this is toxic here, but I'm sure my mom is going through her own, she heals stuff. That right. She, yeah. You know? I mean, I think at the time when that happened, no, mm-hmm. right? of course and not. And at the time, if we're going to talk about, you know, so I kind of tell two stories, yes. um, in my section because they were both like months apart mm-hmm. of happening. And just for the listeners out there who have not purchased the book, mm-hmm. I focus on trauma, but I also talk, you know, I speak about what it was like experiencing, you know, a pregnancy at the age of 17 and having an abortion and then later on getting sexually molested by a doctor. Um, and the reason why I focus on trauma, which originally that was not my theme. Mm-hmm. And I think after, you know, we were planning and we were talking more, whatever, I realized like my story, well, my, my title needs to change mm-hmm. because this is not just about abortion. Yeah. This is not just about sexual abuse, right? This is about the trauma that I experience and still continue to experience Mm -hmm. and have not fully I don't have still full comprehension of it Mm -hmm. all um but in terms of the the pregnancy for me I think it was a bit of a struggle and I didn't understand that back at 17 Mm -hmm. right I didn't know why my mom would react the way that she would and there was nothing there to react because I didn't I never told her right I never told her Right. right and I didn't tell her out of fear Mm -hmm. because the words that I constantly heard in my head was like, you better finish school, right? At minimum Mm -hmm. high school, because it wasn't even like I needed to go to college, just finish high school and make sure that you don't come home pregnant. Right. And then I realized that I'm pregnant and the fear of telling my mom, I rather have had put myself basically on a table to die Mm -hmm. than to open up and talk to her and tell her about what I just did, Mm -hmm. right? Because I still felt like you're still going to kick me out regardless. And I 
didn't know where I could go and live at. I didn't want to experience homelessness, mm-hmm. right? And there was a part of me that still wanted to finish school and the shame, all of that. And right? the lack of support you mentioned from the partner where right. he was just like, yeah, peace, hey, baby, that's mine. not mine. That's not yeah, mine. I was mine. like, wait, what? <laughs> you was just boo-loving with me right now right. and now you're telling me it's not yeah, mine. It's that, not that, mine, yeah. but like... Isn't that a typical storyline that right. happens most of the time? And right, even probably just his own fear of what what that felt like for him, me telling him. And then it's not like I'm just a month or two. Like I'm almost like what, like five months. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so that happened. But I guess for me, it was like my mom was a young mother because she had me when she just turned 21. Mm. So I'm like, okay, 17, there's not that much of a mm-hmm. difference there. But I guess she was she was trying to rewrite her narrative through me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Now and I, you didn't have to yeah. because you were young. Because the yeah. story that was told was that I'm not going to support you, period. So that was the narrative you were hearing. I'm not supporting you. Right. Yeah, that was that for her. And so for two really traumatic things to happen to you that year, that was hard. That was really, Mm -hmm. really hard. And for you to, you know, my heart was with you when you were talking about that you were just innocently like in this group, like, yeah, I'm in this group. I'm in this youth group because these are things that you like to do. Meanwhile, you have the secret buried in you from your adolescence of, of the trauma that you endured months ago of something that you couldn't wrap your head around. It happened all too fast. And then all of a sudden you're in a group and you're like, let me talk about this because something felt a little funny and I don't know. Yeah, and I started sharing. And through sharing. And through sharing was when I discovered that, oh, wait a minute, no, what happened to you? You were violated. That's not what's supposed to happen when you're, ha- you know, when mm-hmm. you're going to get an exam mm-hmm. done. Um, this is the, the course that you should take. You should go and make a report. And I find myself doing all of that and didn't realize that I wasn't the only victim that that happened right, to. Right, and I've and I read that. And there were other women. I was mm-hmm. the youngest out of mm-hmm. um, the other women that had came forward. But even still in that process, I was alone. You I were? was alone, you know. And I was questioned by police. I was interrogated to some degree, right? And there was never an adult there with me. And there was victim yeah. blaming. And yeah, and there was victim blaming. And you got that from the group. And, and, and that was just, that was hard. Yeah. That was hard to read. That you're just innocently just like, let me just be vulnerable right here and talk about this horrible doctor's appointment, but I don't know if it was bad. Mm-hmm. And for someone to be like, why you let them do that to you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not what it is. There's fight, flight, or freeze. You don't know. And you, and you mentioned you weren't educated enough to know what a, a real exam looked mm-hmm. like. But in here, though, once again, right, I'm running because Mm -hmm. I am having sex with my boyfriend Mm -hmm. at that time, right? I don't know. It's like, you know, with adolescents, we sometimes drill information into them because we Mm -hmm. do, right? We talk about STDs and we talk about protection or whatever, but it's like there was still this naive person inside of me that... You know, now I'm like, oh, yeah, when you have sex, you're right. If you don't take the necessary measures, yeah. Guess what happens? Pregnancy. Right. 
or you know when you have unprotected sex, you might just catch a little know, burn, you burn. Might get a little, you know, STD. You there, might get a little burn, know? burn right there. <laughs> and there goes my fear because now I'm running to the doctor and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, things is not feeling too right down right. there, you know. And hey, I maybe I got an STD, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something else. Right. And then I go, and this is what happens. Um, you know, and because of the lack of education mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's so much. And even like talking about it, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I continue to go back into that space and mm-hmm. I still continue to sometimes blame myself mm-hmm. um, because I feel like how, how is it that I didn't know better? And even, you know, with the sexual molestation and, you know, it was by a professional. Mm-hmm. It was something like, who thinks that you go and get an exam? And but, then but how could you, but how you. could you know better right. if it's but a professional? Even, right. How could you know better? Right. You know, wait, how, how could Noemi walk in there and it's, it's not an uncle, it's not a cousin, it's not a stranger where, you know, the whole energy feels off from the beginning. You're at a professional place where you're, you're taught, they're smarter than you. They're professional. This trust is who you them. have to trust. Absolutely. You have to trust the doctor, trust the police, trust this, trust the teacher. And the person that you're supposed to trust as the professional, this is what happens to you. And so you, you, you have, it's okay to be naive because we, no one knows any better. No one knows any better if that's, if that's touch feels okay. And I think as we're discussing, I feel like I just had a, like a revelation mm-hmm. um, where I have issues with authority mm. because all of the authority figures that were in my life in that time all violated me. Mm. If that makes sense. How right? so? Because we're talking about mm-hmm. my mom. My mother was an authority figure, right? My mm. mom was someone who was supposed to protect me, someone who was supposed to always be there, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's what I learned and that's what I was right. taught. Right. Um, the doctor, mm-hmm. the doctor's in a position of authority. Here is someone also that I feel like should be, should be taking care, care of you, of me. right, right. And instead, capitalized on that and saw me as a, a prey mm-hmm. and as a girl who don't know any better, abused his power mm-hmm. of privilege there, mm-hmm. right? Um, even probably like my boyfriend at the time Mm. and him being, you know, a little bit older than I was Mm. or whatever. And just looking at, you know, this, this guy who was powerful in the community. Mm. Right. So everyone that I saw in a high position of power or that I like looked up to, to some degree were all people that violated me. Mm. That's important. That's, that's, and I'm sorry, but I'm no, just like getting yeah, this no, as but like we're I, I talking see, yeah. because I'm like, I'm just thinking, wow, wait, they were all in position, like in high position. Right. Exactly. And, and if you think about his, right. his position towards you, mm-hmm. you need to go get this or I'm not going to be with you. This is not. And you mm-hmm. felt like, wait, you, mm-hmm. you're my baby. You're the love of my life. Hold on. Mm-hmm. That is that. Wow. Yeah. That revelation is deep. And this is the thing about healing, right? Yeah. That it's just basic conversations mm-hmm. like this that you start to, the whole point is to be reflective, right? right? To be able to have some kind of insight mm-hmm. and also just like not feel ashamed anymore. To share your story. Just share it. Like really, what do you have 
to lose mm-hmm. because if you already feel ashamed, if you already feel vulnerable, if you already feel like nobody really cares or whatever, put it out there because then you have nothing to lose. Like right. you really have nothing right. you know, <laughs> to lose. Nobody has anything on you because you've already put it all out you there. You put it out there, and I think you know, like for me, part of 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 this process was like you know literally i remember the day that we had to start like promoting (laughs) it was you don't understand the amount of anxiety that i had like that week and the moment that i pressed like the send button on instagram Mm -hmm. because nobody really knew that we were doing this um it felt like i was just just dropped from the sky into the middle of the street butt naked. Right. Like you was just like, hey, look at all my titties all out. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You was some titties all out. Hey. Hey. And I was like, oh shit, I can't hide anymore. No, you can't. Somebody's going to order this book, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody's going to get this book and somebody's going to be like, oh yeah. So that happened. Right. Or, oh, Poor you. Yeah, I've gotten the poor me's. I've gotten the poor me's. And the poor me's have, you know, come from men. Mm. A few of the men that have purchased my book, you know, or the book in in general, and have read the story, they have seen me, they have come up to me, and they're like, oh, no, Wendy, I'm sorry. And I'm like, there's no sorry to be sorry sorry about. about. This is is my journey. This is my process. I'm like, while you're feeling sorry, I'm feeling liberated. Right. So thank you. Right. <laughs> but I get it. Right. I also get it because right. I think just like many other people, you know, everyone creates this image of who you are mm-hmm. based on whatever you put out to the world in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And when they don't know your deep, dark secrets and they don't know that ugly side of you. Right. Right. That we mask so well. Um, people create this character for you. They do. They create this mm-hmm. character, right? And maybe because I wasn't walking around victimizing myself mm-hmm. and um, for the most part, I guess, you know, people would say like I've always had it quote unquote together, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Um, that maybe they just never felt that I was someone who could experience something like right. that. I think I think when people see you um, and they meet you for the first time, you give off that energy. I'm assertive. I know my shit. Mm-hmm. I'm this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so for you, when people are saying the other thing, you're like, wait, but hold up. There's a little mess up in here. I didn't fabuloso everything up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like not <laughs> yeah. everything's clean. You know, right? I that it's I palo santo. Nothing, you know, right. so when you're out there and people are like, but I thought you were put together. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when you mentioned, um, and for you, of course, to hit that holy shit button <laughs> is interesting because you talked about being an introvert yeah. and like sometimes being home and away from people. And so for that, that's you opened the doors for a lot of people, a lot of people to send you private messages, a lot of people to mm-hmm. extend themselves to you and to come to you. And so how, how's that experience now that you're just... The titties is all out and everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I could say overall the feedback um, or just people coming to me and mm-hmm. asking me questions has um, has really been fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But I want to say more, not for me. 
for the yeah. individual that now has um, gained the courage to raise the voice. Right. Raise your voice. Right. You know what I mean? If, if you don't, you're not alone. And even if it's not my story that you relate to mm-hmm. and it's somebody else in the book or whatever, like I am more than happy to right. give you, you know, the contact so you can reach out. Um, but there was someone who did purchase the book that I grew up with um, on Morris Ave. And I had known her for many years and didn't realize that she had been following Right, meaning like she um, has just been paying attention to me. Right. Right, and we forget or we don't think about when we're on the move who who who's who paying attention. Right. right, right. And she, her daughter purchased the book for her for Christmas. Wow. She told her daughter that she really like wanted to get it. Her daughter went and purchased the book for her for Christmas. Anyway, she reads the book, and you know, I'm like, I would love your feedback at the end, because mm-hmm. um, I, I really want to hear more critical feedback. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why why critical feedback and not Because I think it's important for me to know just like what hit home for you and what didn't hit home for you. What triggered you, what didn't trigger mm-hmm. you, right? Like not just about the bravery, mm-hmm. but in a way of I just need that critical feedback. Like I I don't I don't No, I mean no, I mean it's good though. <laughs> this is where I'm gonna challenge you though. You don't need that critical feedback because you gave your story, you gave who you were. And so the book, every you guys each had your questions and you answered the questions. You understand? So the, people can't come back with critical feedback because this is your story. If people want to find out more of the story, this is an opportunity for you to put more out there. But I don't think there's any opportunity to criticize anything because this is your beautiful story. Not necessarily the criticism. So I guess maybe more of just like... What hit home? What hit home. Mm. What hit home. Like, let's really talk about that, right? Um, And for her, you know, she mentioned, and I just don't want to give her name away for privacy or whatever, but she was like, you know, I always wondered why you stopped hanging out with the girls from the block. Mm. Right? And Morris Ave was like, it was... Two blocks, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. right? There was one part of Morris Ave, mm-hmm. which, you know, was quote-unquote, like, the the ratchet side, mm-hmm. and then there was, like, the more conservative side, right. right? And I lived on both, and she said with all of that, like, and reading my story, it put a lot of things into perspective for her because there was a lot of stuff that she didn't understand about me. Mm. And, you know, part of the conversation that I had with her, although it was via text, and I was like, I, here's my number, I would love to right. meet up with you, you know, at some point was because I, I never wanted to come across as, like, I was ever too good. Mm-hmm. That was never mm-hmm. the part, and it was more about, like, life gets the best of us at times, and we just have different directions, and we all go right. in different directions, but I never, ever forgot where I came from. Right. Right. And what grounded me and what rooted me, right. um, you know, but it's been little things like that mm-hmm. or someone else, you know, um, came back to me and was like, hey, the group that they they experienced the group with me, they mm-hmm. were in the group years ago when I shared my story. Wow. And that individual was able to name the name of the teacher for me because I just wow. identified that person as teacher because I don't I didn't right, remember you didn't his remember. name and even the name of the group because I didn't remember the name wow. of the group and how for me it felt like there was somebody there that witnessed that 
with me. Right. Witness the And it was like war. validation. This validation. is for this happened to me for real. This right there. You know, it's not a lie. I promise this story is not a lie. Come here. Let me give you her IG handle. It's not a lie. Ask her. I got real creds. You don't understand. For me, I was like, if this is if this is what I take away from the book as far as my process and what I went through, there was someone there that yeah. captured the raw deal and knew that I was not bullshitting. Absolutely. Because I'm sure that there's going to be some stories. Of course. I mean, of course. And that's, but that's, that's people's own stuff. Right. That's people's own baggage. Right. You know, but this is, you know, I'm just watching your facial expression. It's changed throughout this interview. <laughs> like how, you know, you know, you start off your story, yeah. but the light behind it yeah. and your mission behind it. Yeah. And I see it and I feel it. And I'm so excited about it. And I want to touch into your work with, um, the justice and how you mentioned in your book that you're passionate about reproductive justice. Mm-hmm. So like your perception on the Me Too movement, et cetera. Um, I think with the Me Too movement, it's a beautiful thing. I just think that any time that women can come together, mm-hmm. right, um, and fight for a greater cause versus just us tearing each other apart. Right. Because when we, you know, I've had this discussion before, but when we talk about empowerment, what does that really mean? Right. Right? What are you and, empowering? Yeah, what are you empowering mm-hmm. and also where... Why are we jealous? Why are we envious of one another? Why is it so hard for, you know, for one sister <laughs> to look out for another sister? Yo, you Reach. need a job. Let me Let help me you hook out, you. Right? Yes. Because there's an opening yes. in, my, yes. in, in my place, yes. right? And how we all feel like we need to, like... Competition. Crabs in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if we can get over that hump, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is, right? Because it's just like, you know, I'm like, okay, that's some, that's some deep, that that's some deep that rooted personal stuff. And that's like women stuff real loosely, mm-hmm. but I still, I still need a core understanding and definition of really what that looks like. Cause right. I don't feel like that's always what it is. Right. You know, this project here, it is empowerment. Mm-hmm. This project here was one individual who was like, listen, I'm not trying to be selfless. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be selfless yes. and I need your help in this process and we all came together the troops rounded up and was like we got you yes and we're all gonna do and i love to see i'm like and i was thinking i'm like 12 women Mm -hmm. in a circle Mm -hmm. they all got to share their stories Mm -hmm. i i just wish i could have seen and observed that experience because i could imagine it was transformative and raw in itself raw yes and even some All head knocking, together. right? Of because course. I mean, we're talking about 12 different personalities, yeah. 12 different perspectives. But I think the fact that we were, regardless of, right. at the end, able to come together mm-hmm. and produce this product here. Right. And share it with the, the world mm-hmm. now, right? Um, not everyone could do that. And, no. You know, and you had someone who had the vision and was like, I cannot execute this vision alone. Without my tribe. That's beautiful. And we all was like, let's go. But in terms of, you know, the movement and reproductive justice, I think, you know, given just my own narrative, um, given about, you know, just when you think about women's rights and how, you know, you have government now telling you that you cannot do what you want to do with your own body. Ain't nobody going to tell me. You know, a lot of a lot of the panels that I attend is discussing that, and it's also discussing about you know mothers that are dealing with child welfare right. and um, you know mass incarceration as well, and how 
yeah. now you have a government that's involved that is like not even giving you your own rights to parent the right. way that you want to parent. Absolutely. Like, and has created the standard of parenting that does not exist in the communities that we come from. We do not have the supports. We do not have the resources. Um, and, you know, poverty does not equal neglect. It mm-hmm. does not equal abuse, mm-hmm. right? And this is more about monetary funds. If there was more funding, if there was more money, I'm sure that, you know, parents would be doing things a lot differently. So, you know, when I do a lot of talk about reproductive justice, it's, it's just really taking a look through through those lenses. Right. Because parenting is part of reproductive justice um, and just dealing with, you know, the bigger the bigger stakeholders out there that are just trying to tell us what we need to do. So, and it really it just, I think, affects more black and brown communities because I don't absolutely. Like, this doesn't really apply to the communities that um, have the resources and the, the socioeconomic funds, yeah, status to, yeah. Yeah, to support whatever they choose to do behind closed doors because they can pay it off and they can cover it up better than we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a pause here because we're going to speak to Cynthia and we're also breaking this up into two episodes because y'all not gonna get all the juice into (laughs) one episode you know how I do guys so thank you for listening to beauteous me I'm so excited guys and we're coming up very very soon thanks for listening to the beauteous me podcast please be sure to download new episodes every week And send us your girl, what were you thinking or asking for friend stories to info at imbeauteousme.com. All entries remain anonymous. Also, don't, 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 don't forget to rate, review, and hit the subscribe button now.